This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. We're delighted that you're here. We're not going to lock the door. We're glad that you got in before we started. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Janice Watson. Um, let me tell you a second about me. Um, I currently teach at Oakwood University in Alabama. Um, something that was a great surprise to me. I never thought I'd ever be living in the South. And I'm learning to enjoy some things about living in the South after New York and Minnesota and Michigan. Um, it is a great joy for me to be here and to be with you. In a minute, I'm going to tell you briefly about the miracle of my being here. And I'm going to tell it to you not because you need to know about me, but because I want you to understand that God has planned something special. I don't know what he's planned, and I don't know why you're here, but I know that he has something he's about to do. And I'm excited that we can share this experience together. Can you hear me clearly? Yes. Can you see me in the back so I don't have to get up on the podium? Excellent, excellent. Then let, let's start. Let's start with prayer. We're going to pray to begin. I'm going to share something with you. And then we're going to pray together a little more. All right? And then move into what it is that we're about to accomplish over the next, what is it, four sessions today and two more sessions Thursday and Friday. So let's pray. Father, we are here. We are here as your daughters. We are here as your children. We are here, Lord, because we are your beloved. And we come to you grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence, grateful for your word and what it is you're about to share with us and what you want to do in us. Lord, send your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already here, but we're asking for a double portion. Rain on us all that you have for us. Prepare our hearts. Make us receptive. Lord, I stand in your presence. Use me. Empty me. Clear me. Make me transparent so that what you have to say and what you have to share will flow freely through me to your people. And we give you all the honor and all of the glory. Amen. It has taken me, I think, what, six, seven years to get here for this session today. Several years ago, they invited me to come and do the session. And I said I would, and I planned for it, and I prepped for it, and all kinds of wonderful things. And about three days before I was due to come, my father had been ill, and about three days before I was due to come, I felt very strongly that I should go home to my parents in Ohio. And I called them, and I did something I'd never done in my speaking career before, and I canceled. I said, I cannot come. I need to go to Dayton. I went to Dayton. I was due to speak on Friday and on Sabbath. And on Sabbath afternoon, my father died. And it was a blessing for me to be at home and with my mother at that time and with my father as he went through 
that part, that stage of his life. And so, you know, I was, Lord, I missed it. I'm so sorry. I told, I let them down and so forth and so on. And last year, they invited me again. And I thought, how marvelous. They actually asked me a second time. And um, at the beginning of December, I think it was December 5th, my mother had a stroke. She had a major stroke. And so we spent that period of time in the hospital, so forth and so on. And I called them and I said, I can't come. My mom had a stroke. And they called me again this year. And I have to be honest that I had to think about it. I'm like, you know, really, Lord? Oh, interesting things happen when they call me to come to GYC. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, third time, you're asking me again, I'll go. And it was interesting to me because this is not the area that I study. This is not the thing that I spend my life doing. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I told them I'll do it, and I, you know, oh, I prayed my way through the fear, and so forth and so on. Lord, I'm going to come. Early in December this year, my mother, by the way, had been on hospice and so forth and so on, was doing better. And early this December, my mother had to be taken to the ER. She had a couple more strokes. And I thought, Jesus? Do I stay? Do I go? Do I, well, you know, we prayed and we prayed, and I decided I'd come. And there are people in place who are praying and looking, and they're going to go and visit her and so forth, and I'm calling in and so on. And I thought, okay, we're ready. This is it. Prep, be ready. Well, you know, I spent the last three weeks at the hospital, so there's not a lot of prepping, in a sense, that you're doing there. But, and here's what's really interesting. In the last three weeks, the toe that I broke a month ago suddenly started doing crazy things. Um, on Sunday, I suddenly got sick. And on Monday, the world is spinning. And on Tuesday, the Lord allowed me to get on a plane and come. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> okay, when I say that, I mean that. I'm delighted to be here because I believe God designed for me to be here at this moment with you. Amen. And I believe God designed for you to be here at this moment. And I don't know why he sent you. So I don't know what you came to get or what the package is that he has wrapped and labeled and put your name on for this session. But I'm eager for you to get what he has for you. I'm eager for you to take away whatever the gift is that is wrapped for you personally. And so we're going to take a moment. I'm going to ask you to turn to a woman next to you, and we're going to do very, very short prayers. What I'm asking you to pray for, in addition to my voice holding out, no, but what I'm asking you to pray for is that God would prepare us for what he wants to give us and that each of us individually will get the gift that God has for us. So if you would just take a moment, pray with someone next to you, and I know that there are times when we do these wonderful, beautiful, long, and extended prayers. Could we do this one in a couple of sentences? Um, 
there are times when I love for us to just pray freely, but I would like to share some things with you that I believe God has for us. But let's take the moment and just fill this room with our prayers and our praise to God. Let's pray. If you prefer to kneel, please do. Each woman in this room has come with a particular need, with a particular burden. Some of us came knowing why we came, and some of us weren't sure why we came, but we're here by your Spirit's prompting and leading. Lord, gift us. You love to give good gifts. Gift us with the gift that you have in store for us. And may each of us, may each heart in this room, walk away from these sessions blessed and changed. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. We thank you and we love you. Amen. If I asked you, what are the biggest issues, the biggest concerns that women have today? What would you say? And yell out loudly. Men, someone said? <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Not this morning, but we will. What else? Identity? Value? Self-worth? Shame? Purpose? Notice that all of those things circle around the same issue. And it's not just an issue for Christian women. One of the most interesting things if you follow what goes on in terms of women's issues in general in the world, one of the things you'll know is that they're now talking about the third wave feminism, okay? First wave feminism is passe, second wave feminism is passe. We're now into third wave feminism. And third wave feminism is almost all about identity about multiple identities, about negotiating identities, and about the differences that differing identities make. So women all around the world are concerned with the question of identity. Why? Real question, why? Why is identity important? If you know who you are, everything else falls into place. Would you agree? Now, some of you don't have note paper, and we were going to have index cards, but I don't see them. So if you don't have something to write on, pretend for a moment. 
if you would. Maybe use your finger on your hand and um, pretend. I am a, how would you complete that? I am a, what? How would you describe yourself? How would you identify yourself? I am a, what did you come up with? I am a mom, daughter, daughter of the king, anything else? Pardon me? Struggling Christian? Any sisters in the room? I am a sister? How many Americans in the room? Any Americans in the room? Okay. Any non-Americans in the room? Us. All right. There are many different ways in which you could talk about yourself. And one of the things that literature looks at right now is the idea that people have these multiple identities. We are not just one thing or another or the other. And the problem is that in many cases, those identities conflict. And so people, and I read a really interesting piece recently where the guy said, you know what, we can't talk about having a set identity. You can't talk about this is who I am. Your identity needs, needs to change. That's how it functions. You need to keep changing. And you change based on love. And then he gave a really interesting argument. He said, you know what, because if you love someone, then you have to change to fit that. If you are fighting for a cause, you have to change to fit that. And I thought that could get very, very interesting. I have lots of causes in my life that I've worked with. And if each time I have to change to fit that, that becomes problematic. Let me argue that as Christians, it pays to have one core identity. Amen. That all the other identities grow out of and are informed by. That if you have at a core a sense of who you are that does not change, that can then inform my being a daughter, my being a sister, my being a teacher, my being a lawyer, whatever it is, all those other identities, including racial and national identities, can be built around that core identity. Where does your core identity come from? And what is the basis for who you are? Where would you start? Let's say that, you know, I met you on the street, and um, assuming that I was just stopping people on the street. And I said, tell me about your core identity as a Christian woman. Where would you take me? Proverbs 31, the Christian woman chapter. And those of you who have heard some of my previous work know that I have an interesting relationship with Proverbs 31. <laughs> but we'll get to that a little later. Um, could we go perhaps to Genesis? to start to build our sense of who we are. Let's go to Genesis for a moment. And where would you go in Genesis to talk about your identity as a woman? You're looking at me, you all, 
as if, what in the world is she talking about? All right. 127, which says? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. Okay. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. What does that mean? Why is that a good place to start? Notice that we didn't start, as some people suggest, with God created Eve to be a help meet for him. We started with God created man and woman in his own image. What does it mean to you that you were created in the image of God? What does that mean? And why is it important? If I'm suggesting that who we are is based largely on that fact, then it ought to mean something. Because remember I say we build our lives around our identity, around our sense of who we are, and our sense of what we are worth is built around our identity. God created them in the image of God. What does God look like? When we talk about his image, what are we talking about? We're talking about his character. We're talking about his gifts. We're talking about who he is. And we are created in his image. So tell me one thing about yourself as a woman when you were created. Tell me something about God that you were created in his image. Pardon me? You were created with feelings. Okay? What do we know about God and his feelings? We know that he has them. We know that he loves passionately, unreservedly, with abandon. But we also know that he can cry. He can be sad. The Bible says Jesus wept. We know that God has feelings. What do we know about God and his feelings that are useful to us as women? He's tender, and he has feelings that are under control. Because we tend to get very excited as women about the fact that we have feelings. And I love that we do. And some of our feelings are a blessing. And some of our feelings lead us places and in ways that don't work for us. And when we talk a little bit later today about beauty, one of the things we'll talk about is self-control and emotion management as part of the way that we reflect who God is. God is brilliant. God is creative. God is artistic. God is musical. God created us in his image. And what that means is so much wider than I originally thought. When we talk about being like God, you list all the things you can about God and know that he created us to be like that. So for people like me who struggle to sing, it's useful to know that God is musical and created me in his image and wills for me the enjoyment of music, the ability to work with it. 
So one, creation. Who I am is a result of the fact that I was created as a woman in God's image. Adam was not the only one created in God's image. I have all kinds of value because, in a sense, I'm mini-me. Distorted, but still mini-me. God created me in his image, and Mrs. White says that the purpose he has with education and with us in life is to restore that image so that we live to be restored to that image of God. To be, to look, to act more like him. And that by itself gives us worth. That by itself gives us value. But that's not all of it. Where else could you go to talk about your identity? God created us. He made us in his image. He redeemed us. As simple as that sounds, a friend of mine loves to talk about, you know, and that was to die for. He was really good looking. He was a guy to die for. Okay? Now, she's not planning to die for anybody. Okay? But when you think about yourself, do you understand that you are a woman to die for? And God proved it by dying for you. And he says, that's who you are, a woman to die for. Let me take you to Isaiah one of my favorite books in the Bible, and a passage that if you're around me for very long, there's a chapter in Isaiah that you've probably heard me talk about or quote. But when you think about who you are and what you're worth, let me take you to Isaiah 43. Now, this is what the Lord says in verse 1. He who created you, remember, he created you, He who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. And then he talks about what that means. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And the text that many of us know, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. Go to verse 4. Since thou was precious in my sight... Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Understand something. We take this passage little by little, and apply it to your name. I don't know your name in many cases, but what does it mean that God says, I have redeemed you, and I've summoned you by name. Not in general, all women, but you by your name. Someone tell me your name. Angie? So Angie, God says, I created you, I redeemed you, And then he says, Angie, I called you because I wanted you and I love you. You know what it sounds like when somebody who loves you calls you and calls your name? How many people have been in love? 
And how many people think that? No, no, I didn't ask that. Um, when somebody loves you and they call your name, you know, it's not like when other people call your name. You know how you get that feeling? It kind of all down your back. Oh, he called me. <laughs> but if I can take it out of that realm for a minute, think about your mother, your father, your grandparents, people who love you and who want to be close to you. And when they call you by your name, and sometimes by a special name that they have for you, something happens. It says something about who we are. When my mother says, Jan, now, now it's the right tone of voice. There's a different Jan. She uses a different voice. When my mother says, Jan, I know that I'm loved. I, I just know that. Can you hear God call your name? Can you hear God call your name specifically in that voice that says, you know what, you're precious, you're special, you're mine. Come, you, my beloved, come. What would the world be like if every day I was hearing God call my name? Are you with me? Are we making sense here? That God says, I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, because you are mine. You belong to me. And the Bible will tell us many different ways in which we belong to God. Daughters, and those of you who know me know that I like to talk about daughters of the king. I like to talk about princesses, who are princesses by right, by birth, by adoption. Over and over and over, he grabs us and says, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. How many different ways can I get you? How many different ways can I pull you? How many different ways can I tell you that you belong to me? Do we live like that every day? Do you feel that in the morning when you get up and get dressed? Do you see that at work? Are we living in that? Because I'm not telling you anything new, am I? You've heard it before? So let's move from I heard it to how do I live it? What does that mean? How do I live in that as my primary identity? When I was thinking about this and preparing this, and praying, and I had done all kinds of reading and stuff like that. And it came back to something that I hadn't necessarily thought about. And that is, why are we not living in the identity that God has given us? And I read something that Susan Gregory wrote, and it blew my whole head. She said, we have learned and we practice trying to love God. But many of us do not do as well at receiving love from God. I never thought about it. I never thought about the fact that perhaps I sometimes don't feel my worth 
because I'm not receiving and operating as somebody loved. And I went to the book of Hosea. You know the story of Hosea? And I went to the book of Hosea because suddenly I'm looking at Hosea differently. Originally, I've always looked at Hosea's wife and the fact that she keeps running off. And I'm like, you know what? She's just promiscuous. That's her problem. She just likes men. So if she doesn't want to be with him, and she gets tired, and she runs off, and then life gets hard, and she comes back. And it was all about, in a sense, Hosea and how he had done this. And, and then suddenly something occurred to me as I was reading in this passage again. And it was talking about how his wife keeps leaving, and he needs to love her and bring her back. And I thought to myself, could it be that Hosea's wife was having trouble accepting being loved? That somehow she didn't think she was really worthy of being loved? And so she couldn't take it in. Have you ever had somebody love you who you didn't really care for? You know? You know how that feels? When I was a teenager, um, there was a guy who just thought I was wonderful. I was really great. You know. And I thought he was okay. <laughs> and so he brought me, Valentine's Day, a box of chocolates. You know, a heart-shaped box of chocolates. And I thought, thank you. And I put the chocolates down on the counter. And three or four days later, my mother said, what's that? And I said, oh, it's the box of chocolates that so-and-so gave me. And she said, did you open it? No. Have you eaten it? No. I, he wasn't all that. He wasn't that big to me. And so what he gave me, I had not received. In college, there was, now there were some guys that loved me that I, you know, in college, there was a young man and, and he would give me things and come behind me and come in the cafeteria and all this kind of stuff. And I, no. no. <laughs> and my brother was there at the time. And I said to my brother, this boy keeps bothering me. I have no idea what my brother said to him. I don't want to ask what my brother said to him. He never bothered me again. <laughs> People trying to love us and us not able to receive that love. How is God trying to love you and you having trouble receiving it? What gift is God trying to give you that you haven't taken? What box filled with goodies is sitting somewhere on the side while we don't open it and get it? Am I speaking to someone today? What would your life be like if you received everything that God wanted to give you? I'll give you a little example this morning. Got up this morning and I'm prepping things and I'm doing all kinds of stuff and it's time to get up. And I went in to have a shower. And I went into the bathroom and I turned on the shower, you know, turned on the water and stuff. And I hadn't actually turned on the shower, so the water was filling in the tub. And as the water was filling, I suddenly realized something. 
This is a real bathtub. It's full size. I can't bathe in a lot of bathtubs. My knees are sticking up and, you know, halfway out of the water and stuff like that. And suddenly it hit me, this is a bathtub. A full length bathtub. And I was like, you know, I have to get ready for this, so I need to take a shower. And, and suddenly I was like, you know what? The Lord knows that you love to bathe in bathtubs. And the water is already filling in this bathtub. Could you not turn up the water and bathe? And I did. I took, I don't know how long, it wasn't that long. But I sat and I luxuriated and I felt that and I enjoyed it and it was just wonderful. And I thought, you know what? There are little gifts that God wants to give to us. And we are so busy running or trying to serve him that we are not receiving those gifts. If that's the only thing you hear me say today, part of our identity is shaped by the ones that we love us. A lot of psychological literature about that. That identity is shaped partially by the ones who love you because they help to define who you see yourself as being. So the more that we let God love us, the more that we understand who we truly are. So number one, let God love you the way that he wants to love you. All over scripture, he keeps telling us how much he loves us. And we've made it all about rules and all kinds of other things. There's a place for the rules. And there's a way to respond in love to love given. But first, he loved us. Let me tell you something. God did not love you because you were cute. You may be stunningly beautiful, and many of you are, but God does not love you because you're cute. God does not love you because you're smart, and some of you are brilliant, but God does not love you because you're smart. God does not love you because you serve him and do the right thing. God loves you, period. And we need to stop saying to kids, God loves good little girls. God loves little girls. When they're good, when they're bad, when they're confused, God loves them. Let's not give bad theology to our children. God loves you. If you hear me say one thing today, hear me say that God loves you and calls you by your name. What name do you call yourself? When you talk to yourself, what name do you call yourself? What do you say to yourself about yourself? Are you calling yourself what God calls you? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and, and find out how many of you call yourself ugly. But we do. How many of us call ourselves dumb or slow or bad? Or, 
any number of things. Take a moment, write down, if you've got something to write on, and write in your hand if you don't, um, with your finger, so you don't have to worry about it later, the name that you call yourself that God does not call you. What is the name that you call yourself that God does not call you? He doesn't call you dirty. He doesn't call you broken. He doesn't call you trash. He doesn't call you unfinished, incomplete. He doesn't call you half. You are not half if you're not married. Okay. He doesn't call you undesirable and unmarriageable. Okay. Have I hit yours yet? Somewhere in that list? And if I hadn't, add the others so we can add them to the list. Okay. Now, what is the name that God calls you? Look at that specific issue and ask yourself, what is the name that God calls you? Does he call you princess? Does he call you my child? Does he call you daughter? The woman with the issue of blood, who had been bleeding for, what, 12 years? Who was totally unclean as far as Jewish tradition was concerned. The woman with the issue of blood, when Christ comes to her, he calls her daughter. Everyone else called her unclean, and he called her daughter. Do you get that? Do you get that? That whatever the name is that Satan has allowed us to call ourselves needs to be replaced and lived in the name that God calls us. One of my students for her email account has an email account that is I Jedediah. And I'm like, isn't Jedediah a man's name? And so I'm like, okay, um, you want to explain your email account? And she just, you know how people just bless you out of the blue? You didn't see it coming? And she said, Jedediah means beloved of God. And every time I check my email, it says, I, beloved of God. So, I have a password. It's Jedediah. Because sometimes I need to be reminded that I am beloved of God. As you go through scripture and you see the things that God calls you precious, beautiful, lovely, write them down and call yourself by the name that God calls you. If you don't know what he calls you, ask him to show you. Ask him to tell you the name that he calls you. Remember Sarah? Sarah's name was my princess, and God changed her name, princess of promise. He'll change yours. If you let him change it, he'll change your name. And once you understand how God calls you, do not let anybody call you outside of your name. Because identity is about where we come from. We talk about creation. It's about what we're worth. We talk about redemption. 
It's also about how we see ourselves and how others see us. What do princesses look like when they walk? Erect, confident. How do beautiful women walk? You watch pretty women walk down the street? What do they walk like? There's a sense of here I am and the world is mine. And they often come by it naturally. I have a gorgeous sister, and she was a gorgeous baby. People used to stop and look in the, in the pram and say, oh, what a pretty baby. Okay. And so when she walks into a room, the world is hers. Okay. And she can do that with style, believe me. She can do it with style. What would happen to us if we walked through our lives as princesses and beauties who God, when he created in the beginning, said, it's good. And you know, he never took that back. Even after all of the things that happened in the fall, God knew that he had created someone in his image. Yes, marred. Yes, distorted. But restorable. I'm urging you to walk in that kind of God confidence. When we talk about beauty in the next session, we'll talk a little bit about body parts and things like that and how that relates to this business of walking with confidence. But underneath and heavily foundational for us is not letting others treat us outside of our name. When God says to us, you are mine, don't let anybody say something other to you. When God says to us, you are precious, how dare someone else treat me as if I wasn't? But I have no control over you. So if you choose to treat me as not precious, do I have to take that in? What does the Bible say about the devil? He's a liar. And he's the father of lies. And feel free to call it. Let me say something here about identity in men for a minute. The man in your life needs to name you and treat you the way that God names and treats you. If he is unable to do so, that may not be the man in your life. Are you with me? We build our identity so often on things that are ephemeral. Our relationship with someone, our careers, our social standing, are other things that can change in a moment. And when they change, what happens to our identity? What happens if you're brilliant and you have a PhD or four or five, and then you have an accident, and you can't think and you can't talk? I'm going through a journey right now with my mother. And right now, she doesn't move herself. She doesn't talk. She 
basically, all those things that she could have identified herself by, the RN, the Sabbath school teacher, the this, the this, the this, the well-dressed, blah, 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 blah. Well-dressed doesn't matter when you're in a hospital gown. So one of the questions is, who will we be if all those things disappear? What will be left? And the only thing that will be left is who God tells you that you are. The only thing that will be left is your perception of yourself in light of Calvary. We're having a problem on our campus, and all colleges' campus have this problem with suicide. And we have problems with addiction. And we have problems with abuse. What is the relationship between suicide and identity? Is there one? So someone help me. What's the relationship between suicide and identity? If indeed I'm not worth anything, why should I be here? I talked to somebody yesterday, and I don't think she'd mind my sharing it, who said that her four-year-old came home one day and said, I want to die. What do you say when you're a mother? And your four-year-old says, I want to die. And she said what most of us would have said. Don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And that's often our response. But the question is, why? What is it that he is thinking at four years old, assuming that he really is not just parroting something? What is it that he's thinking? What have little kids said to him? What is going on? that leads him to feel that way? And what is it that God says that could speak to that? What is it that God tells us about who we are that could speak to that? What's the relationship between identity and addiction? No, no, no connection? Identity and addiction? I'm sorry? Escape. If I have trouble living with who I am, then I look for other things to make it manageable. And we're talking about all kinds of addictions. Talk about substance, but you're also talking about sexual addictions, shopping addictions, so forth and so on. If I'm not enough, then I need something. Do you understand the gift that we as Christians have for other people? Do you understand the treasure that we have to share with other people. Some of the issues that we want to address in terms of fixing, let's do this, let's do this differently, may indeed be issues that can be solved by Jesus because Jesus helps us to know who we are. And if we know who we are and we can stand in that, then we can talk about doing. Then we can talk about doing. If we're trying to teach people to do right, when they're struggling to find out who they are, that's a whole different issue. And so, let me come back to that early song, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
What does the Bible say? The two basic commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Can I ask you about how much you love yourself? Is it a sin to love yourself? I think it depends on what that means. I think it depends on what that means. Some of us have been trying really hard to love ourselves. I think it depends on what that means. And if it means that I see myself the way that God sees me, then that's a whole different thing. If it means that in looking at God and seeing God that way, I then am able to. Do you know that the more someone is loved, the better able they are to love? And that one of the things that we worry about with children is them not being loved sufficiently to be able to give love. Some of us who are struggling in relationships, some of us that are concerned about how lovable we are in relationships, might it be that I'm not receiving. I'm not receiving. I'm not feeling. I'm not hearing what God says in so many different ways, in so many parts of Scripture. I love you. 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 I really, 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 really love you. Now I'm going to ask you to talk to someone next to you. If I decide to walk in this identity, what would I do differently? This is a real question. Because I believe that sometimes we look at scripture and we feel good and we walk away. You didn't come to GYC for that. You came to GYC to change. You came to GYC that God would grow you, push you out of your comfort zone, and get you ready for what it is he wants to do with and through you. And so, for this moment and this topic, let's do a takeaway. In my classes, we talk about what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? What could, would, must, might change for you? How might this make your life and your world different? Because I don't want to talk about things like beauty and sexuality and some of the other topics we're going to address until we've settled this one, until this one has registered. So take a moment, think first, and then share just for a moment with someone else, one thing that might change, one thing that might be different about our lives. It might be as simple as, I'm going to carry myself differently. I'm going to lift my head up a little more, put my shoulders back, smile because beauty is here.
what would it feel like when you walk into a room? Beauty's here. Um, I, I probably shouldn't tell this, but I will. I struggled for years with the idea of, you know, I'm not really that beautiful. I'm OK. I'm not ugly, but I'm not really that beautiful. And um, I was going through this, this whole thing with God. And he said, you know, you could call yourself the way I call you. So if I go to a restaurant and they ask me for my name, I tell them, beauty. And you know how interesting it is to be standing, waiting for a seat, and they come out and they say, beauty? <laughs> I have a friend who says, peace, joy. We're learning to answer to the name that God calls us. Take a moment. Think. I'm going to stop talking so that you can think and you can share. What would you change? What would you do differently? How would your world change? What can you do? What is the Spirit calling you to do? Share with someone. Be bold. You're not just princesses, you're warrior princesses. Be bold. It's okay to let God speak to you and it's okay to feel it. Do we have one or two people who'd be willing to share with the group? And this is not a requirement, but if there is something you'd be willing to share with us and bless someone else. There are a couple of places to go when we do these kinds of sessions. But the list of things that women talk about tend to be really consistent. We want to talk about beauty. And we want to talk about appearance. Okay. Always. I say, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, we want to talk about that. We have questions about that. We're going to do that. We're going to have a session this afternoon. Our next session is on beauty and appearance. We'll talk about and we'll address some of those issues that some of you have brought with you about the modesty pieces and I suspect we might be approaching it a little differently than you anticipate. We'll have to see. Um, 
This afternoon, we will do a session um, that talks about purity in a grimy world. And in that session, we're going to be pretty direct about some things that I really believe we need to address. Um, and so um, be prepared for that this, this afternoon. And then we're going to talk about leadership, I believe, on schedule for this afternoon. And in that discussion, we're going to talk about the S word. Okay, Not the one you're thinking. The other one. The other one. We're going to talk about submission and submissiveness and what does it mean. See? I don't know where your head was. And then we'll continue tomorrow. I don't know. And we started with, what did you come for? What do you need? I don't know what that is. But I encourage you, if the Lord sent you here, to stick through the process and see, what is it, Lord, that I'm supposed to get? Some of you have gotten something, I hope, already this session, but let's see what else God has in store for us, and we'll move from there. And my watch tells me that we're about at that point, so let me pray with you before you go. Father, we ask you to send your spirit. We ask you to speak to us. Lord, we believe that you have. I ask you now to plant in our hearts so that it takes root and it grows the message that you have given to each one of us. And then, Lord, I ask you to continue to be with us throughout this day in the various sessions. Help us, Lord, that the things that we address will be the things that you wish to say to each one of us. Be with each woman. We thank you and we love you. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.